Now, maybe I was the only one not paying attention during health class, but it wasn't until after I found out I was pregnant that I started taking a prenatal vitamin, quit coffee and alcohol, and gave up brie. It didn't even occur to me that I should be thinking of shifting some healthy habits before getting pregnant. For many people, this isn't something that happens totally planned, so a lot of us don't get to do the prep work. But for those of you who can, this episode is for you. It wasn't until after I'd had my second child that I started learning more about environmental health, i.e. toxins, and learned that preparing for pregnancy three months prior to conception is recommended. The CDC website on preconception health actually has a section on environmental exposures. They say, avoid harmful chemicals, environmental contaminants, and other toxic substances such as synthetic chemicals, metals, fertilizer, bug spray, and cat or rodent feces around the home and in the workplace. These substances can hurt the reproductive systems of men and women. They can make it more difficult to get pregnant. Exposure to even small amounts during pregnancy, infancy, childhood, or puberty can lead to diseases. Learn how to protect yourself and your loved ones from toxic substances at work and at home. Quite frankly, I was shocked to see this statement because it's the first time that I've seen government website really say that small amounts can cause this kind of harm. Now, it steps short of giving advice for what you can do in your daily life beyond workplace exposures. In this episode, I'll break down why preconception toxin reduction is so important and offer strategies to help you reduce the toxins that are known to have the biggest impact. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. Now, if you're listening to this and you're already pregnant or have a child, I don't want you to freak out. I was in the same boat, so I get it. But for me, it was more of a, man, I wish I knew that sooner kind of moment that I could shrug off. Because one of the most important mantras I use throughout this journey is the quote from Dr. Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. You cannot go back in time, so there's no use dwelling on it. Wherever you're at in your fertility, prenatal, or parenting journey, the best time to start reducing toxins in your home is now. If you're still preconception, I hope you'll use the information I share in this episode to help make some changes sooner than I did. Before I get into what you can do preconception to support a healthy pregnancy and ultimately baby, let's go over some biology basics. 
Now for the nitty gritty on what takes place with your hormones and within your reproductive organs to get pregnant, I recommend listening to episode 33 with Nora Pope and Dr. Jessica Liu, ND. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to focus on some important things to know about eggs and sperm in particular. So females are born with all the eggs they will ever have. A typical fetus may start with six to seven million immature eggs, and this number drops to 1.2 million by the time they're born. Before puberty, about 11,000 die every month. When menstruation begins, the immature eggs are enclosed in a follicle. Over several months, the eggs mature, but not all follicles can support them during this process. One follicle, usually, releases its egg during menstrual cycle at ovulation. If the egg is not fertilized, it is shed from the body with the uterine lining during menstruation. If it is, a fetus is formed. Sperm, on the other hand, starts being produced in the testes at puberty. Up to a thousand sperm per second, meaning 1.2 billion sperm cells per month. Once sperm cells are formed, they continue to mature and gain the ability to swim, a process that takes about 70 days. So this brings me to a key point. The notion that getting ready for a baby is mostly the female's responsibility is simply not the case. Males have the ability to undo lifestyle effects on their sperm because they regenerate, as I said, every 70 or so days. Females, on the other hand, can't reverse the effects. Once an egg is damaged, it's done. So that's not to say that we don't have a role to play. We absolutely do. But male partners are certainly on the hook as well. Now, egg and sperm cells are made up of different components. One thing they have in common is the presence of mitochondria. These little organelles are responsible for making energy that our cells need to function. And as it turns out, eggs in particular require a lot of energy and hold the most number of mitochondria out of any other cell in our body. Mitochondria are essential for all stages of reproduction and dysfunction can decrease egg quality and interfere with embryonic development. Maternal mitochondria are passed through to the fetus. Therefore, dysfunction may not only compromise developmental processes, but also whether or not the pregnancy holds. Defects in sperm mitochondria have been associated with decreased sperm motility, which may impact its ability to fertilize the egg. So why does this matter? Well, I became aware of the relationship between toxins and mitochondria when researching a blog post on toxins in the immune system. And as it turns out, certain chemicals have been found to be particularly damaging to mitochondria. These include some pesticides, including chlorpyrifos, which is being phased out in Canada and the US, but is in the food supply chain still, and paraquat, which is used in some herbicides. Also heavy metals like lead, which is found in some drinking water, and methylmercury, which contaminates our oceans and therefore seafood. So when reading about the important role mitochondria play in our reproductive cells, I came up with a hypothesis of my own, that our toxic exposures pre-conception can affect our ability to get and stay pregnant and impact the reproductive health of our offspring based on certain chemicals effects on the mitochondria. Another factor at play when it comes to toxins and fertility is oxidative stress. This is an imbalance of free radicals in the body that leads to cell and tissue damage and is implicated in the manifestation or progression of diseases such as cancer, diabetes, metabolic disorders, and more. Toxins such as heavy metals, pesticides, and air pollutants can contribute to oxidative stress in our bodies. 
The research around oxidative stress and fertility is in its infancy, but some scientists suggest when the female partner experiences oxidative stress, it may be linked with infertility, low birth weight, and premature birth. On the male side, evidence links oxidative stress to infertility, reduced sperm motility, sperm DNA damage, and increased risk of recurrent abortions and genetic diseases. One way to lower oxidative stress is to reduce your exposure to toxins that contribute to it. Another interesting and important factor to consider is epigenetics. This is a field of study focused on how genes and the environment interact and can change how genes are used or expressed. This study of the mechanisms that can change gene function has evolved since its inception in 1942, and it's now recognized that exposures from our food, air, products we put on our skin, and even our emotions have the potential to turn on or off certain genes in us and our unborn children. I actually heard about epigenetics when I was pregnant, and it was one of the main drivers for me to try to get my stress levels under control. Some research suggests that exposure to certain chemicals can lead to PCOS and diminished ovarian reserve in offspring in what's known as intergenerational inheritance, where future generations are affected by their parents or grandparents. And finally, certain toxins are well documented to impact fertility and the developing fetus, specifically hormone disrupting chemicals, with some of the biggest impacts happening in the early stages of pregnancy when the fetus's reproductive systems are developing. One example that's outlined in the book Countdown, you can listen to episode 35, where I interviewed the authors if you haven't already, is that if a person carrying a fetus is exposed to anti-androgen chemicals in the first trimester, it can affect the reproductive development of a male fetus, including reduced sperm count, undescended testes, and penis malformation. Examples of these chemicals that block androgens or anti-androgens are phthalates, some pesticides, and PBDEs. I talk about hormone disruptors in general in episode 30 and specific to fertility and pregnancy in episode 4, but a few examples I'll illustrate again here. High levels of phthalates have been linked with a condition where ovaries don't release an egg during menstrual cycles, as well as symptoms of PCOS. Some evidence suggests certain phthalates may be linked with premature ovarian failure. Women with high levels of BPA may have increased fertility risk and risk of miscarriage, and PBDE exposure has been shown to increase the time it takes a woman to get pregnant. This research is emerging, and it's incredibly difficult to study to the point of obtaining quote-unquote proof. I talk about the myth that proof is the goal in episode 29. However, this is one area where I believe that the precautionary principle is well worth it. And if you're new to me or haven't heard me say it before, let me be perfectly clear. The goal isn't to avoid all toxic exposures all the time. That is impossible. Adopting the precautionary principle to me means making reasonable effort to avoid toxins that are likely to cause harm. And when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, and early childhood development, the risks of ignoring potential toxins far outweigh the risks of avoiding them. So to recount, sperm regenerate every 60 to 70 days or so, and eggs mature during the 12 to 14 days prior to ovulation, though I've seen some sources say the process starts a month or two sooner as the follicles prepare for the maturation process. 
Government health agencies recommend preparing for pregnancy three months prior to conception, usually for more conventional ways, like taking a prenatal vitamin with folic acid. Though, I'll add from listening to lots of naturopathic doctors, this should be in the form of methylfolate, also stopping smoking, confirming medications with your doctor, etc. I argue that to support the healthiest sperm and egg combo, and therefore baby, we should be working to reduce our toxic exposure sooner as well. Now I am fully aware that for many, this ship has sailed. I wasn't that prepared either, as I said, and that's okay. There are so many factors that go into raising a healthy baby, we aren't going to be perfect at all of them. But lowering the toxins, starting with those that are linked with reproductive harm, as soon as you learn how important they are, will set you and your future baby up for reduced risk of chronic health issues. And I hope this episode helped give you the information you need to make that decision. And even if you can't go back in time, the changes you make now will help reduce your baby's exposure during the critical first trimester and beyond if you're starting later. Because babies continue to grow and mature and are impacted by toxins throughout their childhood. So even if you are already pregnant, starting to make changes now will mean that you will already be in healthier habits when you have your baby and as they grow, which will be setting them up for even more success because living in a less toxic home will be normal to them. They won't have to learn so much of the things that you are having to learn now. If you are preconception or in your first trimester, there are some changes that are more important than others when it comes to supporting a healthy pregnancy and baby. So I've created a free guide with the four hormone disrupting chemicals that are most concerning and that you have the most control over. You can download your copy at greenathome.ca forward slash prenatal guide and I walk you through some actions you can take to start lowering your exposure. Now if you're ready to take action and want a proven step-by-step plan complete with product guides and personalized support from me, You can check out my six-week course prepping for pregnancy at greenathome.ca forward slash prepping for pregnancy. Both of those links can be found in the show notes. All right, the last couple of episodes have been focused on before having a baby. Next week, I'm chatting with eco-focused interior designer Lonnie Brown all about creating a non-toxic nursery. And a sneak peek into future episodes I've got lined up. I'll be talking about organic meat and animal products by request. I've got an interview with naturopathic Dr. Olivia Rose all about healthy sleep, an interview with ND Dr. Jordan Robertson about menopause, just to name a few. Chat with you next time. Bye for now. Wait, before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and like what you've heard, please take a moment to hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a written review. You can do it right from the app. It takes just a sec and really helps me to be able to continue to share this important information with more people. Plus, you might just get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks so much and bye for now.